This is Daniel and Vicki Hagedorn from Preparing Kids for Life at PK4L.com, and our podcast is for all things parenting. This is day 102, 102 of our 365-day journey with you. You know, my wife and I are so passionate about helping parents reclaim their rightful place as the number one expert on their own kids. So our podcast focuses on time-tested principles any parent can learn and apply to give their children a childhood they won't have to recover from and to prepare them for life as the best version of themselves. So we talk about every parent's most basic fears because they have been our fears too. Things like, I don't have what it takes to be a good parent, or I'm not qualified, or I'm going to mess my kids up. You know, as parents, we will do anything to help our kids. And since our ceiling is our children's floor, we owe it to them to always be learning and growing. For 365 days, you've been invited into our experiment, and we're committed to walking alongside your journey as your personal outfitters, guides, and allies. Every day, every step of the way. So I'm really excited about uh, this series. If you're joining us uh, for the first time, uh, we started a series based on, essentially we're just doing a book club on a podcast. That's pretty much what we're, what we're doing here. And it's a fantastic book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, it's by Peter Scazzaro. We, we have a link in the, in the show description there. I highly recommend you checking it out. It's, it's an incredible read, but we've really been just been taking our time and, and digging into it and just having a, an ongoing conversation uh, about this book, which I think is just, it's so, it's so fantastic. And like my wife was saying, cause you know, she's been a grief recovery specialist for 16 years and has taken hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people through uh, that amazing program that, that this is just so in alignment with that. And there, there is so much. And, and so really what we've been talking about uh, at the beginning here is the importance of emotional maturity in order to experience spiritual maturity. And of course, the spirit is what also helps us become emotionally mature. So it's kind of a, in mm. some ways, it's a little bit circular, but you have to have both. In other words, you cannot be spiritually mature without being emotionally mature. So yesterday, uh, our podcast, we started to dig into the top 10 symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. We covered uh, one through five, and today we're going to finish up that set, continue the conversation about the book, but we're going to finish up that little section uh, on the symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. So take it away, honey. Well, thank you so much. Yes, uh, I am excited to dive into these last five. Very interesting, and I think that the the... I guess for me, what I like about how he's starting out the book by looking at what is it to be emotionally unhealthy, right? And what are some of those symptoms, those signs? So um, we're going to jump into number six, which is doing for God instead of being with God. And if you have... Um, we've talked a little bit in this podcast about the importance of Sabbath. Yeah. And really digging into connecting to the months and how God designed and aligned our time to be a bit. And so I think what's so great about learning about that is that what God designed us to do in Sabbath is literally training ourselves every week to put boundaries around our time 
and uh, our families. And I think that that is the only way really to rectify just being focused on being productive and getting things done for God. Because yeah. in, in Western culture, it's about those things. And it says in the book, it says, praying and enjoying God's presence for no other reason than to delight in him. He goes, I was told was a luxury that we could take pleasure in once we got to heaven. Wow. Isn't that sad? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm even thinking about, you know, even that, that passage in, I think it's Genesis 15, where God says to Abraham, he's like, I am your shield and I am your great reward. Mm, yeah. And then later in Hebrews, it talks about how... God rewards those who seek him with their whole hearts. Yeah. But I don't think many I don't think many people who are followers of God really truly look at him as the treasure, as right. that that is the end all be all is being able to rest in him and mm-hmm. experience life with him and have partnership with him and and really be a son or daughter of his and and enjoy that. It's true. And the priorities of our Western culture actually teach us the complete opposite. Yeah. Because we're told that there's so much to be done. There's all these lost people. The world is in trouble. And God has entrusted us with this good news that it's up to us to get out there. Um, So things like doing a lot of good work for God is a sign of growing spirituality. And it's all up to you. And you'll never finish while you're alive on this earth. And God can't move unless you pray. You are responsible to share Christ around you at all times or other people will go to hell. Uh, Things will fall apart if you don't persevere and hold things together. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, that actually sounds a lot more like uh, if you were a salesman or saleswoman for corporate America and you were trying to meet sales deadlines and sales quotas and quarterly reports uh, for sales. That, that sounds a lot more like that than an ongoing, healthy, vibrant, living relationship with God. Yeah. And it's really important to recognize that these are signs of the opposite. It's the signs of an unhealthy spirituality. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with some of these things. It's kind of like we say anything in moderation, right, is okay. Um, But work for God that is not nourished by a deep interior life with God will eventually be contaminated by other things such as ego, power, needing approval of and from others, and buying into the wrong ideas of success and the mistaken belief that we can't fail. When we work for God because of these things, our experience of the gospel often falls off center and we become human doings rather than human beings. And our experiential self, our experiential, I'm saying. Experiential. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Sense of worth and validation gradually shifts from God's unconditional love for us in Christ to our works and performance. And the joy of Christ completely disappears in that. Our activity for God can only properly flow from a life with God. And we know we cannot give what we do not possess. And if we do for God in a way that is not proportionate to our being with God, then we've lost the only pathway to a pure heart and really experiencing God. And it's a trap and it's very, very dangerous. And I think as parents, it's so important that we do not pass on a works-based mentality to our kids because they 
see it and they don't want it. Yeah. They don't. And it's not real. And I think it's, I think it's always important, like with anything, um, to strike a balance. Yes. Because, you know, you can kind of go, you know, even James reminds us, you know, faith without works is dead. Right. But the point is that the works come out of and are sourced in our faith in God. Yeah. Not that, oh, we we decide to follow God and now uh, we just have a bunch of things on our to-do list that are spiritual. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think... And you know what? To be honest, it's it's hard. Like it's it's one of those things where you have to co- constantly keep a, a balance going. You know, where um, on one hand, um, you know, you, you don't want it to be all about works and all about that. And and then on the other hand, if you don't have any of it at all, then you kind of right. have to wonder, well, where is the faith in that? You know, in other words, like. Somebody explained it to me this way. They said, it's kind of like sitting down on a chair. You know, um, you have to have faith that the chair is strong enough to support you in order to sit down. Otherwise, you'll keep standing. And so it's kind of like that with God is you you have to know that once you trust that he is there, that he will support you, that he will be those things, then it's very easy to just sit down and relax and, and kind of right. settle into that. Yeah, and I think that um, it's just important that we know that we can only do out of a sense of being with God. It, yeah. it has to flow out of that is yeah. the balance. Yeah. Yeah, and number seven is spiritualizing away conflict. Nobody likes conflict yet. No, that's for sure. Conflict is everywhere. And it's. I think that this is one of the most amazing things about growing emotionally this is kind of like the litmus test is how do you handle conflict do you run from it do you avoid it do you run up to people and um you know it makes me think of Dwight in the office (laughs) like kind of aggressively and you're gonna make make sure that your side is heard it's very interesting But one of the most destructive myths alive in the Christian community today is the belief that smoothing over disagreements or sweeping them under the rug is part of what it means to follow Jesus. And it's just, when you have unresolved conflicts, you have people that are not taking responsibility and it never ends well. And it's unresolved grief because there's communication that needs to be delivered that cannot be because that person is not safe enough to communicate with in a mature way. And again, right. this is what goes back to without emotional maturity, you know, that that's one of the things I, I have to say I really appreciate about Vicky is that um, over the years, we've been married over 20 years, and she's said hard things to me. But I know that the emotional maturity that she brings with that, I'm able to hear it and take it in and and the same the same on her end is she's able to hear things that I say and take them in and you know uh, believe me it's not always like perfect bliss but we have an established pattern of this is how we do things and we are working towards completion and reconciliation and I think that when you're not when you stop working towards that then it really is. It's just sort of like the sweep under the right. Well, let's just get through this. Well, let's just, you know, try to pretend it didn't happen. Let's just, and it doesn't go away. 
and it just festers and grows. And then it, then it becomes kind of like an ongoing thing. And then 10 years later, you still have that kind of angst in your heart whenever you see that person around because you haven't ever really finished it. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be best bud BFFs with every single person, but you you can live, and as much as it depends upon you, you can live at peace right. with people. Yeah, that's very true. And if you think about your family of origin, how did your family of origin handle conflict? Mm, yeah. And it's an interesting thing to think about because we either tend to do very similarly to what we grew up or we tend to go the opposite yeah. way, you know? Um but a lot of us think that Christianity means to just be a peacemaker and bury bury our feelings. And it's really easy to not be able to connect to what your emotional truth is when you just continue to bury it. Yeah. And pretty soon, you don't even know how you feel about things when people ask you. Yeah. And it's a, it's a dangerous place to be. And really, everything about Jesus is he didn't back down from conflict at all. And if you notice that in the New Testament, his whole ministry, the whole time he was confronting, he was confronting the legalism that had been permeating the church and permeating the uh, the Jews of the day. And he shows us that we, we must not avoid conflict. He was in regular conflict with the religious leaders, the crowds, the disciples, even his own family, because it was out of a desire to bring true peace he was willing to disrupt the false peace all around him, and he just flat refused to spiritualize conflict avoidance. Yeah. Yeah. Tr- so I mean, awesome. true peace is not the absence of conflict. No, it is Because not. you can be sitting there and have a smile on your face looking across at someone thinking, gosh, I hate them. Mm-hmm. Man, I would give anything to just smack them in the mouth right now. And you got that smile on your face going. You know what I mean? Like it's... So it may on the surface be peaceful, but it doesn't mean that actual peace, shalom, is residing there. <laughs> no, it isn't. And I remember in um, a marriage class that we did once, and I remember they had that, um, like a picture, a diagram, mm-hmm. and it talked about intimacy, and it talked about conflict. And then the other one was when you're, um, what's that word when you're just not talking? You're like, like apathy. Or... Yeah, like apathetic, basically. Yeah. And so it had apathetic conflict and intimacy. But the one closer to intimacy was conflict. Right. The apathetic one was the because at least you away. care enough to have conflict. Yes, oh, yeah. it's true. <laughs> I mean, and, hopefully and, you do that nicely. Yeah. But still, <laughs> and the whole idea of spiritually maturing and emotionally maturing is how do we handle conflict with honor and respect? Yeah. And truth, but you have to be able to connect to your emotional truth in order to be honest in the first yeah, place. Exactly. So good, so good. So number eight is covering over brokenness, weakness, and failure. Um, A lot of times we feel guilty for not measuring up. And we feel that um, we'll carry the guilt so we hide. And we forget that not one of us is perfect. And we forget that David, one of God's most beloved friends, committed adultery and and murdered Bathsheba's husband. Talk about a scandal. Um, how many of us would have loved to erase that part in that book, you know, yeah. but, but he did not. And instead he used his absolute power as King to ensure the details of his colossal failure were published in the history books for all time. And I love that, that David's example, because he's so 
um, genuine and real, but he's also genuine and real about his battle of taking personal responsibility. Yeah. And really bringing everything kind of before God so that he can get his heart, that you get to experience his process of getting his heart to be aligned with the truth of God. That's, you know, it's interesting because um, kings of, well, I mean, I'm sort of a history geek. I taught history for 14 years. So, but it's interesting, the the ancient kings and even now modern leaders, uh, they they whitewash their mistakes. Mm. You know, they have, bio, they had, in ancient times, they had biographers that did nothing but sing the praises of these kings. They, wow. So it's, it kind of makes it all the more remarkable that we read about these profoundly flawed leaders, and yet yeah. they were beloved by God, and God used their lives in, in powerful ways because they were a friend of God. Yeah, and we know that we are strongest in our weakness. Yeah. That's how God uses us. I love Brene, you know, like uh, Brene um, Brown, mm-hmm. who she has a, I think it's a TED Talk, and she just sort of talks about Everybody loves vulnerable people and are incredibly drawn to them. And yet no one likes to be vulnerable. Yeah, it's so true. No one wants to talk about their brokenness, weakness, and failure. But when people do, we are drawn to them and we cheer for them and we come alongside them. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, they inspire us even because we see that. Yeah. And we can relate to that. Yeah. And we have to know that every human being on earth, regardless of their gifts and strengths, is weak, vulnerable, and dependent on God yeah. and others, really. Yeah. But very much dependent on God. And it's so important to realize that if we try to cover up those things, it's a sign of not being emotionally healthy. Yeah, exactly. So number nine is living without limits. This is good. This is the the one on boundaries, right? <laughs> yes. So we're taught that good Christians constantly give and tend to the needs of others and not say no to any opportunity to help or request for help because that could be selfish. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. <laughs> and yes, of course, we're supposed to deny ourselves, right? But the more that we kind of give and do without having healthy boundaries, the more we will carry around guilt for never doing enough. And then that guilt will lead to discouragement. Or resentment. Absolutely. Because then you then you take on the martyr complex and then you're like, oh, I'm always giving and serving for others, but there's no one giving and serving for me. And yep. because ultimately it, it becomes your identity. It becomes how you sort of win the good graces of others or how you earn the love of God or who knows what what can get wrapped up in there when it doesn't start with God and come from that. And it's interesting because it's only the Holy Spirit that powers us to be able to live the life that God calls us to. Yeah, So it's absolutely. this kind of like strange, almost like paradoxical dynamic. You know, we, we have to put forth the effort, but then rely on the Spirit to guide and lead us as we go. Yeah, that's true. And it's really important to see that we are limited. We are human. Yeah. We are not God. And we <laughs> cannot serve everyone who is in need. Um, Paul said, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yeah. And the context was that of learning to be content in all circumstances. That's what that context is in, which is so interesting. So the strength he received from Christ was not the strength to change, deny, or defy his circumstances. It was the strength to be content 
in the midst of them and to surrender to God's loving will for him. That was the context of that. That's so interesting. Yeah, that is. To think about it. And so even Jesus modeled for us being a human being. He was fully God yet fully human. And he did not heal every sick person in Palestine. He did not raise every dead person. Um, He didn't do it. And we shouldn't feel that we have to. But somehow we do. And then we really don't take appropriate care of ourselves. And many Christians, along with the rest of our culture, are frantic, exhausted, overloaded, and hurried. And few of us make the connection between love of self and love of others. And many believe that taking care of themselves is a sin um, and, you know, from our self-centered culture. And it's not. It is true that we are called to consider others more important than ourselves. And we are called to lay down our lives for others. But you need to have a self to lay down. Yeah. You really do. And it really wasn't until I went through the course of grief recovery and and really got complete with some of the things that were in my past that I was able to see the people pleasing and have boundaries and have clarity in the moment. You really, it's very difficult to do that if you haven't done that work. Yeah. From your past, because you don't even realize how you're being triggered, especially in this area, and how hard it is to have boundaries when you're being triggered by things from your childhood or your past that cause you to people please. And some of you might even feel like when you have to confront somebody or something, you'll literally feel sick in your stomach. You'll feel it physically in your body because it is that strong. Yeah. And so it's so important that we do that work. And get complete so that we are able to be fully present and be able to know what we're feeling in the moment in real time and be able to, again, honestly and respectfully communicate Yeah, our boundaries. I, I remember, um, you know, when I was working at Fox Family Channel and my coworker, who's amazing, great woman, um, but I would talk to her just about, you know, my, my faith and what I was doing and... And I was very busy. I was doing, at that point, I was doing a lot of stuff for God. If you had looked at my life back then, you would have been dazzled by how occupied and busy I was doing, quote unquote, spiritual things. And yet I remember something she said to me one day that just completely made, and this is about 15 years ago, or actually longer than that. This is probably close, yeah, closer, maybe 18 years ago. And she said something that just stopped me dead in my tracks and basically caused me to rethink my whole life. Mm. <laughs> but she just, she, and she wasn't, she wasn't even being mean. She wasn't being sarcastic. She was just sort of, you know, making like an observation. And she said, wow, oh, I sure wouldn't want your life. Mm. Because I was talking about how, you know, busy I was doing all these quote unquote spiritual things. And I thought, wow, oh my gosh, what, what even is that? You know? And, and I just, I love, I love this living with, without limits uh, reminder because at that point I was living in a very unhealthy spiritual yeah. way. I mean, I was unhealthy spiritually. And although on the surface it looked like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, this Christian of the year. I mean, like all the stuff I was doing, but it wasn't, it wasn't that at all. Right. And it's, it's kind of a big wake up call, you know. Yeah, it's really, really important because you will burn out and yeah. you will 
read scriptures like, you know, Jesus's burden is light and all like God's desire is for us to be fully alive and to know life and to the full. And you kind of go, where's that? Yeah. Yeah. Where's that? <laughs> exactly. And that's dangerous because yeah. it is not true. And that's exactly how the enemy would love us to feel. So that brings us to the 10th and final one in this um, list of symptoms. And that's judging other people's spiritual journey. This is really powerful. And the first thing that I wanted to share in this is remember that when you judge, you are pressing down and bringing that judgment on yourself completely. What you judge in someone else is going to be judged against you. And it's an interesting thing because a lot of times we're taught uh, to judge, especially like I think a lot of people will say, well, in in the church, we're supposed to be our brother's keeper and judge, but it is never us to judge someone else's spiritual journey in or out of the church, wherever they are. And it, cause it becomes an us versus them. And it's funny because in Jesus's day, there was the superior in group of the Pharisees. And then there was the inferior group of sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes. And who did Jesus hang out with? And we know that, right? We know that his harshest words were saved for the Pharisees. And it's really sad because we will judge and we will turn our differences into a moral superiority or virtues. And it's really dangerous. And I love this quote in this book. It says, by failing to let others be themselves before God and move at their own pace, we inevitably project onto them our own discomfort with their choice to live life differently than we do. We end up eliminating them in our minds, trying to make others like us, abandoning them altogether, or following into a who cares indifference toward them. And in some ways, the silence of unconcern can be more deadly than hate. Like Jesus said, unless I first take the log out of my own eye, knowing that I have huge blind spots, I am dangerous. I must see the extensive damage sin has done to every part of who I am, emotion, intellect, body, will, and spirit, before I can attempt to remove the speck from the eye of another. And that's from Matthew 7, 1 through 5. It's really profound when we really stop and realize how much of what we say and think is in judgment mm. and how many people miss the love of God. How many of our kids miss the love of God because they are living under our judgment of them and mm. or hearing us judge others. And it's, it's like we have the power of life and death in our tongue. And when we speak judgment and when we think judgment, we are literally thinking and speaking death. And I remember recently listening to a sermon and the pastor prayed. And in the beginning of his prayer, he said he was just so heartbroken over the ways that people will miss who God is because of our actions and our judgments, the Christians. Yeah. And it was so powerful to hear that. And I just really think, that this 10th one is something that we really need to think about and really watch our, our what we think and what we say and how what kind of an example we do we do give to our kids because what they're experiencing 
in their relationship and their walks with God is what they experience in our homes. Yeah. You know, this one is, is I think one of those, it immediately kind of comes up in me and uh, it, it automatically causes me to think about the ways that I might be judgmental mm. towards other people. Um, and it also, it also makes me wonder where the balance between, I mean, clearly God is, he has standards. I mean, there, there is a, you know, there is a universal truth. It isn't like truth is not personal. Right. Right. Um, so it's like where that, where that steps in and I, what's, and I, I could be wrong about this. I'm, I'm kind of processing this as we go. It, it occurs to me that it's more, it's more about like to judge something is to just sort of assess what it is. Mm. A judgment is now making a declaration over what that person's motive, right. intent, or value is. Yeah, that's so good. And and so because we are called to judge, but I I wonder if judging just simply means assessing. Mm. Like, in other words, if let's say you like the color red, so I'm I judge you in the sense that I say, oh, you like the color red. That's a fact. Now, a judgment would be, oh my gosh, red's such a stupid color. I mean, how dumb can you be to like that color? Oh my gosh, you know, and that would be a judgment mm. on on that. So, I don't know. Like I said, I'm just sort of talking through. I That one's really one of those ones I think you need to marinate on and yeah. process through because there is, there is a balance there that has to be held, you know? And I think that so often um, we do find ourselves... Um, in judgment, right, over other people, and and honestly, even God waits till we're dead, and only He's the right. one who knows. Everything. He's the only the reason He's only that only God is fit to judge us is because He's the only one that knows every single one of our thoughts, every single one of our motives, every single reason that we do say or think anything, and so He's the only one competent enough to judge us. Right. We're not. We don't know. We don't have access <laughs> to right. all that information. All that. No. We're not omnip we're not omniscient, so we don't. No. Yeah, and I think it's really um it is one of those things that is so important because I think the number one reason why people feel unsafe around people that judge um they feel it right away. And when yeah. we're when like when we're doing grief recovery, a big part of it is listening. And the number one reason why people that are going through hard things don't talk is because they are afraid of being judged. Yeah. Because they just get judged and they get told how they should be feeling. And it's something that um we really need to look at and be aware of and and really try to repent of, honestly. Yeah. It's it's not an example of who God is and who Jesus is. And those are symptoms of when we're not super healthy spiritually and emotionally. And there's a lot, though, that we can do about that. So next time we're going to jump into how the only way we can really know God is we must know ourself. And mm. how do we become a more authentic self? And we're going to look at that in the next podcast. So thanks so much for joining That's gonna us. going to be awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we know there are literally hundreds and thousands of podcasts out there. You chose to listen to ours and give us the precious gift of your time. We're so grateful for that. 
Definitely check out our website, pk4l.com, for more resources. And please click on the link in the show description to download your free ebook, Building an Emotionally Safe Home, as our gift to you. Remember, we are with you every day, every step of the way. Until tomorrow, have a great day.